Good morning, everyone. My name is Mike Cooper, and um, it's my twin right over there. His name is Chris Little. Known Chris for uh, what, five or six years now, something like that. Y'all, y'all been here that long already? Five years, absolutely. Well, like Chris said, about nine months ago, he called me up and said, "Hey, man, says I'm going on sabbatical." in the summer and would you mind uh, preaching a couple Sundays and I said absolutely and I guess probably about a couple months ago he said I'm not going on sabbatical but would you still like to preach and I'm going absolutely would love it again my name is Mike Cooper uh, my wife Denise is back there our family's back there we um, moved from LaGrange a couple of years ago in February of 2019 moved to Miami Florida our dream was to retire in Florida. We got to Miami and quickly realized that Miami was not in Florida. It was in some other country. Um, and so the very first day we were in the grocery store down there, my wife said, good morning. And this lady responded back with some profanities and we're going, we looked at each other going, oh my goodness, where have we moved? And so we got out of Miami as quick as we could, uh, moved to Georgia for a short stint, and then we have moved back to Texas. We're over in College Station right now. So, th- thank you. Where's the little whoop? There we go. So thankful to be back in Texas where people say good morning and they wave as they're driving down the highway and all that stuff. And so we're glad to be back. Glad to be here this morning. Um, Chris asked uh, to me to preach, and the very first thing that I thought of to share was something that was instrumental for me uh, and my family while we were here at, at, at LaGrange, and that was being plugged into small groups. And so that's the that's the kind of the, the vein that we're going to be traveling down this morning. If you're not plugged into a small group, you have no idea what small groups are. It's not that, hopefully. Um, and so really going to share what I believe is the biblical perspective of what a church needs to look like what it looks like in small groups and then hopefully challenge you encourage you to if you're not plugged into a small group to find one um, to to delve in jump in with both feet um, because it was the thing that blessed our hearts more than than um this sounds kind of bad bigger than more than big church uh, in a large group setting because it was just so personal for us it was something that we were able to to, to share our lives with in our hearts, uh, tears and laughs and all that kind of stuff. And so it was instrumental for us. And so we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, Bibles, we're going to get there in just a second. Acts chapter 2, looking at verses 42 through 47. And when I was um, talking, thinking about this message, I was kind of thinking from the perspective of, you know, when we when we grow up, um, I'm an old guy now. I remember being a teenager like last week, and so something happened, and I got old, and I'm mid fifties now. And and just because you grow up doesn't necessarily mean that um, you you know everything. The older you get, less hair, gray hair, whatever it is that, that happens, we don't necessarily have the the all the information on how life is supposed to happen, and and all the answers to everything, and but the more I got to thinking about that, the more I realized life was so much simpler as a child. I didn't have bills. Um, I didn't have to worry about going to the grocery store and buying food. I didn't have to worry about all kind of things. And so perspective on life as a child uh, is so much better to me. We have a, a new grandson. I'm, I may share a picture with you a little bit later. And just looking at him and, and just the innocence of that. And so the perspective of life as a child 
um, intrigues me, and I wish that there were ways that we could kind of teleport back in time to to have those moments again. And so one of the things I just want to kind of share with you as far as looking at life through the eyes of a child to give you give you a little perspective, um, I think of things like... The basics, those things that are most important, those the, the knowns, things that we can know without a shadow of a doubt, um, that we can have confidence in, that we know what what is true, what is right. Um, the the things like the kiss principle, I've changed it, kind of baptized a little bit, a little bit. Keep it simple, silly, uh, instead of the last word there. But just kind of keep life simple. We 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 get so caught up in the bills and the hustle and the bustle and the jobs and careers and all those kind of things and. What I want us to do this morning is just kind of take a deep breath and exhale and really look at a biblical perspective of what church needs to look like. What, more importantly, the title of the message, what is life all about? What does your life and my life need to look like? And so we're going to look through this passage in Acts chapter 2 and hopefully look at some, some biblical foundations on what the early church looked like and how we can correlate that to today's life. So let's read that passage together. Acts chapter 2, I'm reading from the NIV. And so you read from your particular uh, passage, your uh, translation, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs that were done by the apostles. I know that we're filled with awe and wonder with the miracles that, that Pastor Chris does, but they were as well. And so verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is a snapshot, a quick picture for us today to look at what the early church looked like, of the things that they were involved with each and every day. Believe it or not, they did church more than just Sunday morning. It was part of who they were. It was a lifestyle. It was something that was actively every day something that they would do and so be excited that we're only doing this maybe once a week and so because they did it every every day so what, is, what does that look like for us today how, how what does this mean what is life all about in Acts chapter 2 what does it look like in a, in a church and so what I want us to do is I have four things in there that I want us to look at this morning on what is life need to be about for me. And the first, first thing I want you to see is that we need to, I need to be loving others the way that Christ loves folks. Bottom line, we can't do anything else without that being number one, without that being priority number one. We have to love others the way that Christ loved us. Jesus set the example when he told his disciples in John chapter 13. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples by what? If you love one another, Chris mentioned just a couple of weeks ago, the fruit of the spirit starts out. What's the very first fruit that's mentioned in there? Love. And he, and he said, listen, none of the other fruit are possible unless love happens first, unless love is a priority, unless love, the love of Christ resides in each of us. Listen, we can't demonstrate the other fruit of the spirit. I heard a, a pastor say one time that he, the way that he explained the fruit of the spirit, it was an outward expression 
of an inward nature. That outward expression, that thing that we live out each and every day, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, all that gets lived out because of something that changed inside of us. And that change is Jesus. That change comes from the transformation by us accepting him as our Lord and Savior. Listen, I can be a good guy. I can do some good things. I can be a moral dude. I can do all these things. But unless Jesus has taken up residence in my life, unless he's number one, it really doesn't matter. And Paul says it in, in, in Corinthians. Listen, says, if you do all these things, but you don't have love, remember how he says it? He says, you're like a, like a clanging cymbal. You're just a bunch of noise. I hate this, the way that that sounds, but that's exactly what Scripture says. Unless we have love, then we're just bank, making a bunch of noise. And so in order for us to, to live out this first century church today in 2021 in LaGrange, we have to love each other. That doesn't mean we have to like each other. It means that we need to love each other. Okay? Because there are moments when... My kids don't like me very much. They love me, but they don't like me sometimes, okay? And there are sometimes my neighbors, they may like, they may love me, but they may not like me sometimes. And so in order for us to live out this, we need to make sure that we're loving each other. Alright, so if that's number one. Number two is that we need to invest in others. We're living, we're working out this word life, L-I-F-E, as far as the, the, the message this morning. And so we need to invest in other people. And when we invest in other people, we actually reap the benefit of that investment because it, it comes back multifold in our own lives. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 and 17 says that all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, for correcting, for training and what? In righteousness so that we may, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Life groups is a fantastic way. Small groups are a fantastic way for us to kind of look at a, a passage. Typically, the life groups here take the passage that, that Chris talks about on Sunday, and then wherever, whatever time they meet throughout the week, we kind of delve into that a little bit more, uh, fine-tune, ask some questions that are a little bit um, broad at first, and then kind of dig in a little bit deeper that are a little bit more specific to you individually or you as a family, and then kind of unpack that a little bit. I know that we, we heard that, that phrase up here, we're the shallow life group, we're not going to unpack anything. Listen, life is messy, and we need to unpack some stuff, okay? Everybody's got junk, everybody's got sin, everybody's got something, okay? And so, but this helps us realize that, listen, I'm not the only one who, who has some, some stuff, Okay, I love the the phrase that Chris used when he first got here. He says, "This this church is not a place for perfect people." All right, no, nobody in here is perfect, and so that means that we're all welcome. And so the moment that we realize that, the moment that we recognize that I don't have to have all my stuff together to come to a small group, I don't have to have all my stuff together to come to church. It's freeing. Okay, it's it's a little bit easier for us to walk through a door knowing that there are people like me that are sitting in the chair next to me because they have stuff they have to deal with as well. And life groups be able to help us delve into that, help us to recognize that, hey, it's just not not just me who's maybe a little bit messed up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says, So Christ himself gave the um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, some of the pastors and teachers to what? To equip his people for works of service. Listen, here's a, here's a news flash for you. We don't come to church just to sit there on Sunday morning to take in and for it to stay here. 
We don't take it in just to kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger and greater knowledge and greater knowledge. We, we have all of this so that when we leave these doors, we can get in our cars and we head down the streets to our house or to our place of employment or school or whatever it is, that we're prepared to share what's changed us. Remember that thing we talked about just, just a moment ago, love? By us being equipped, by us being trained, by us being challenged, we have the opportunity to share that with the people next to us. The people that we work to, with ne- in the cube next to us or sits in the ne- desk next to us at school. Whatever it is, we're able to, to share that life-changing experience with them as well. So, so that we may be equipped for service, so the body of Christ may be built up until, listen to, here's a word that you don't hear very much in church anymore, so that we will be built up until we reach unity in the faith, okay, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Listen, we gather together on Sunday mornings. We gather together in small groups so that we can grow, so that we can mature, so we may be complete, not lacking anything. And that happens when we invest. When you invest money, what is your expectation? To make a profit, right? That's, that, that's the goal. When we invest in people, as, as Chris invests in his staff, he invests in the elders, he invests in the members of the church, the expectation biblically is for us to grow, not just numerically. Okay, that's going to happen as a byproduct, but the, the, the primary focus is for us to grow spiritually, for us to mature so that we may be complete, not lacking anything. And that happens, folks, when we gather together, we come to worship, and then we get in small groups. He also, Chris also mentioned, hey, I promise you he didn't pay me to say all this. I'm not just regurgitating everything that, that he said in, in the past. But it's one of those things that it resonates with you when you hear something that's truthful, when, it's, when you hear something that makes sense. He says church happens, life happens best in Circles, thank you. Somebody's paying attention. Circles and not rows. Okay? When we get in circles, when we get in small groups, that's when life happens best because we're able to kind of let our hair down a little bit. I did mine a long time ago. Uh, it, it went someplace else. But listen, we were able to, my wife just told me I say listen way too much now here. And I say listen, and so here it is again. I'm saying it, so I apologize for that. But, we do life better when we can let our hair down and just be real and be raw sometimes in knowing that, that I don't have to have everything perfect in my life. Let me let you in on another secret. I'm never going to have anything, everything perfect in my life. It's just not going to happen. Perfection comes when he calls me home. That's when perfection happens. That's when we can, that's when we can focus on perfection is when he calls us home. But until then, let's work on being perfect. Let's work on being holy. Let's work on being this first century church in LaGrange in 2021. So we're loving other people. We're investing in other people. Oh, let me share this with you real quick. I thought it was hilarious. I read an article the other day about reasons why people don't come to church anymore. And, you know, there were some of the typical ones. The pastor just wants my money. Um, I'm not into organized religion or all these kind of things. But the, the, the number two reason... Or the second reason, whatever, how you want to say that, that people don't come to church anymore is because I don't feel like I'm being fed. Okay. He didn't, he didn't pay me to say this either. All right. I don't need Chris Little to make sure that I'm fed spiritually. Okay. 
No offense, Chris. All right. I don't, I don't need him to, for me to be fed spiritually. You know how, you know what it requires of me to be fed spiritually? Reading this thing right here that I have in my hand. Okay. If I spend time in this right here, then I'm promised, okay, to gain knowledge. I'm promised to gain wisdom because of who resides in this. I heard somebody say a long time ago, this is the hymn, this is a hymn book. Not the hymn book that we used to sing in old days when we were in the chairs behind the, the seat there, but it's the book about him. Okay? When we understand that, when we don't need Chris to spoon feed us every single day or every single Sunday, we recognize that it's our responsibility to feed ourselves. Came, and this thought came through my mind when, when I read that, that number two reason why people don't come to church anymore. I had this, this picture in my mind of all of our kids. Our youngest one is about to turn 20. But I had this envision of all of our kids being around our dining room table and them sitting there with their hands on the table expecting us to physically spoon feed each one of them. And how silly that may sound. But in a spiritual perspective, that's exactly what it sounds like when somebody says, I'm not being fed spiritually by my pastor. All right. Listen, I am responsible for, for feeding myself. Uh, do we have a picture up there? Do we, do we have that? We didn't get it. There was a picture. Got a picture the other day. Our, our, our daughter-in-law sent us a picture of our new grandson and is up there. All right. One of these days, and he's, he's eight months, nine months old, all right, and so he's already feeding himself, okay? And I don't know if you've been to Roadhouse before, um, but that is a Roadhouse roll right there. And I'm think, I think that he enjoys what he's eating there, okay? Look at that, it's just sweet. Listen, every time we get to wake up and we get to go to our little prayer closet or our dining room table or wherever we spend some time, in God's word, we should have a smile like that because we get to feast on God's word. Because it's our responsibility to feed ourselves. We get the benefit of gathering together as a, as a body of believers sitting in big church, hearing a word, being challenged. But it's our responsibility to feed ourselves. The early church in Acts 2 recognized that they gathered together daily to break the bread, to pray, to hear what the teachers were saying. And so, listen, in small groups, it's a fantastic way for us to be able to take what we've heard from Chris or the whoever is preaching on Sunday morning to kind of delve into that a little bit more, break it down, see how it applies to my life, how it applies to our family's life that particular week, and just kind of have some dialogue. Listen, it's, those, are, those are things that people are almost afraid to have these days is dialogue about some stuff. And so this allows us to be able to, to do that. In, in, in a safe environment. So we love each other. We invest in each other. Third thing I want you to see is I believe that we do this pretty well. I think most churches do this well, and that's fellowship. Fellowship with others. Being together. The word koinonia there, that word for fellowship, actually means to share together or share life together. And so when we, we do that, um, I believe that there is a dynamic that happens um, in a small group that can't happen in a large group like this, um, because studies have shown that, that typically people max out on their ability to remember at about 60 people in, in, a, in, a, in a church or in a large group. And so if your church is only 60 
people, then you may know everybody. But when your church is larger than 60 folks, then you're not going to know everybody. And so that small group setting allows the church to become smaller so that I get to know Bob. I get to know Larry. I get to know Cindy because it's a lot smaller. It's more intimate. They get to know me. I get to know them. I know things about them. I know their kids' names and their grandkids' names. And that little man, was his name was Crew, just in case you were wondering. Okay, And so, but we get to know people on a different level when we sit in circles and we sit in those small groups. And so this fellowship sharing life together, to me, is instrumental. It's key. It was practiced by the early church. It's a, it's a scriptural foundation for us to continue to do that today. Old school used to be Sunday school, and some churches are still doing that. Um, but in the small group here at... Uh, at Cross Point is is the life groups. And so if you're not plugged into a life group, you don't know anything about life groups before today. Now you've heard that word a million times. You've seen a video about it. Get plugged in. If you don't like the one you go to, try for a couple weeks. Try something different. But don't give up. Get plugged in because we need each other. And that's the, th- the fourth point that I want to share with you is that we have to engage one another. We have to engage. And what that means is we have to... We have to make sure that we get plugged in on multiple on multiple levels. And we see there in Acts chapter 2 what what those levels were. Those levels including listening to the teaching. Those levels included to praying. Those levels included sharing, uh, breaking of bread and worshiping together. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we're engaging, that we're purposefully getting to know people on a bunch of different levels. It's great to come together to worship love our worship team. Okay, I don't. I don't know if if if, if you. If, I don't know if you don't if you like music or not. I totally dig it. Okay, love music. Love standing back there, with my hands raised. Um, and so, if you sit in the back, you have a perspective on seeing the entire church worship on a Sunday morning. And to me, that's beautiful. Okay. We get to see a body of believers not worrying about what the person to their right or think, left thinks of them because their attention is on him. Okay? And so when we do that, then it's a beautiful thing. But we have to engage on a bunch of different levels because that's, we're, we're multidimensional creatures. Okay? And so we need those things. We need those, those different types of interactions. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 14 through 26 gives us a, a biblical mandate and shows us the need that we need to be with each other. And that's the passage where it says the eye can't say to the hand that I don't, that I don't need you. You can't sit next to the person to your right or your left and say that I don't need you. Because the body of believers, we all need each other. There are strengths that you have that I don't have. There are giftings that you have that I don't have. And God brings, I don't know how, divinely he brings those people together and makes it work. He allows people that have unique gifts and abilities to come in at the right time to be able to fill a need that we have at a local level. And so we recognize that we all need each other. I'm reminded of a, of a story of a pastor in Arkansas had a son that was born with a disability, did not have his, was born without his left arm. And they were his, his son, seven years old at the time, they were in a Sunday school class, and the Sunday school teacher was talking about the the need about this particular passage about the body and how we all need each other. And and, and she brought out the illustration that we've all heard a million times, where you get, put your hands together and says, "This is the church, and this is the steeple." 
And before she recognized that the little boy was in her class that couldn't do that because he was only born with one hand, she looked over at him, and he had his best friend, and he reached his right hand over, and his friend reached his left hand over, and he said to him, he goes, you see, I need you, and you need me. Can't tell you, can't tell you how much that I want you to hear me say that we need each other. Okay? We need each other more than just coming together, sitting next to me, sitting next to you on a Sunday morning. I need you at midnight sometimes. I need you at six o'clock in the morning sometimes. Sometimes I need you just to to hear you say something, hey man, praying for you, love you. And I saw a text thinking about you. Spirit of God just brought you to my mind and wanted you to know that I'm thinking about you. Happens all the time. Okay? And so I would encourage you, not my notes, but I would encourage you when you get those, you get those thoughts, you get those little reminders in your spirit, respond. Act to act on. Call that person, text that person, because you have no idea what they need at that particular moment. Okay? And so I encourage you to re- respond to that. But we need each other. And the best way, I believe all my heart, the best way that happens for us to be able to recognize that need is in small groups. And that, and if you're not plugged in, it's the last time I'm going to say this, find you a small group, find you a life group, get plugged in. All right. Um, how many, how many folks are in the, and this may not be a, a kosher question or a nice question to ask, but, um, how many are over 40, um, in the room today? Okay, all right. I remember some of you were going, man, I can't believe I'm raising my hand. Some of you were thinking, man, it hurts to raise my hand. Okay, all right. I remember as a kid and sitting in the living room or the dining room around the coffee, the, the kitchen table drinking coffee or whatever, my dad would start out by saying, I remember 35 years ago. I remember 40 years ago. And I want you to know, folks, that I am there. I, I am that old guy sitting at the table telling his kids, 40 years ago, all right, and I say that to preface this, Summer Olympics are going on right now, always been a huge sports buff, just love anything that had to do with sports. In 1992, the Summer Olympics were going on in Barcelona, and I was watching, I loved the track and field events in, in the Olympics. And there was this one guy from Great Britain. His name was Derek Redman. He ran the first heat in the 400, one lap around the track. And absolutely destroyed the entire field on that particular heat. And I'm going, man, I've never even heard of this guy. Who is, who is this guy? And so I watched back up. Back in the old days, remember you go to a store and get that TV guide? Um, how, how many remember those? Okay, I get this little feed on social media sometimes. It says the good old days, and it was a picture of the TV guide, little catalog thing. And so anyway, I'm, I'm flipping through that. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? Because your guide has just hit the select button on the remote, and it shows all the things. You can go over for a week and a half and see the next shows. Anyway, before technology, we had 
paper books that showed what the, what the shows were going to be. Anyway, so I, I find out, I pull up the Olympic uh, schedule, and I find out when the next heats are going to happen, and I find out when he's going to race. And so I'm just stoked about watching this guy run. And uh, he's in the second lane, and I'm just bear with me. I'm assuming that nobody knows anything about track. And so when you, when you run, because obviously the inside lane, you don't have to run as far to get all the way around. And so what they do is they stagger the outside lanes. They move up a little bit so don't, the distance is equal. And so he was in the second lane, and um, they were all the way through the eighth lane. And so he's, he, they take off, and by the first curve, um, the first 100 yards, he's already caught the first stagger. And so this, I mean, this guy was just absolutely amazing. He was super, super fast. He caught the first stagger. He's going down the back stretch of the second hundred and he's, he's caught the, the third and the fourth stagger by then. And so you can just tell that he, he's about to destroy the field again. Right when he starts the third hundred on that curve, you see him grab the back of his hamstring and you just hear, even in the, in the audience, you can hear this, this gasp because they know what has happened. And he grabs his leg and he falls to the ground. I'm just going, no. And so the camera keeps running with the, for the people as they finish the race. And immediately they, they, they forget the people who just won that heat and they go back to Derek Redmond on the, on the track. And all of a sudden you hear kind of a rumble on the, on the TV and they, the picture, the camera goes to this large man jumping out of this onto the track. Um, and you come to find out a little bit later, it was his dad. Uh, he jumped out there, and, you, and the camera goes, and it follows his dad to his son at the track, and you can see just anguish, and he's crying, and he's, and he's screaming out, he's grabbing the back of his leg, and he le- kneels down with his, with, his, with his son there, and they have security guys coming all around, and he's fighting them off, saying, get off me, this is, this is my son, this is my son. And even for about three or four times, and then finally the security guy says, hey, just leave him alone, this is, this is his dad. And so he, you can see him mouth, he goes, hey, do you want to finish? And his son shakes his head, and so the dad helps him up, and you can see him hobble all the way to that third hundred, all the way to the back, to the back stretch, to the finish line. And and that has etched a picture in my brain. Thirty years later, okay, still about the need for other people. And what a beautiful picture for us as a body of believers that our Heavenly Father is just like that dad in the stands. He says, I'm, I'm watching what's happening in your life. And I'm applauding and I'm cheering you on. But I want you to know that if you ever stumble, if you ever fall, I'm jumping out of the stands and I'm on the track and we're going to finish this thing together. That's the picture that your Heavenly Father wants you to know. As a church body, it's important for us to know as a fellow believer, as a fellow part of that body, that it's my responsibility that when you stumble at midnight, I want to be there to help pick you up and get you to the finish line. It's my responsibility to receive a phone call at 6 o'clock in the morning to do whatever. You get the picture. It's our responsibility, church, the picture that we see in Acts chapter 2, that they sold their possessions and gave to those who had need. They were in the habit of meeting together every day, worshiping together, breaking bread together, 
praying together, listening to the teaching together. That's what the early church looks like. That's what our desire for small groups in our church here at Crosspoint to look like. Recognize the need that we need to love each other. That we need to invest in each other. That we need to fellowship with each other. And that we need to engage on so many different levels. Because that's how God designed us. Not plugged into a small group? I lied to you. I mentioned it one more time. Not plugged into a small group. Find you a small group. Can't find a small group? Start a small group. Okay? That's how it happens. That's how church happens. I want us to be the biggest, smallest church in Fayette County because we're doing church right. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for small groups. We thank you for this biblical passage that we see in Acts chapter 2 of what the early church looked like and what the goal is for us to look like as we gather in small groups, as we recognize that we don't have it all together, that we can be not heads at times, that we make mistakes, but we can be forgiven because you forgive us, that we can receive grace because you are gracious. We can receive mercy because you're merciful. Father, I pray that as we leave here this morning that we're challenged by the the concept of small groups that we're challenged by the concept of getting plugged in we're challenged by the concept of investing our lives into other people and loving others the way that you love us father we love you we adore you you are our audience this morning that you're our focus this morning we praise you and thank you in jesus name amen, amen.